authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of Short Nonfiction for Authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively, and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. Authors, I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Welcome to June and we kick off our mid-year months with today's interview from best-selling romantic suspense and alpine crime author Lee Christine. And Lee chats about author fears, drawing on life experiences, writing what you know, researching firsthand, how her writing has changed from when she began to now, her books, tips for authors yet to turn their lifelong dreams of authorship into reality, and much more. So in my author adventure this week, inspiration struck for a quirky, fun little picture book. So I began writing this whilst travelling in the car and I hope to finish it and put it up for a critique via the Squibby Australia West online critique group. So for those of you who don't know, I'm part of Squibby, which is the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. Squibby West, because uh, residing in Perth for the last seven years now, I volunteer on the team as newsletter editor and social media coordinator. As I write children's and YA, this is the group I'm part of. If you write for that genre, you want to join as well. It's a worldwide organisation, so check out your local chapter. I've met some great people, learned a lot about the industry and the craft and made some seriously fun memories since becoming a part of this group. I started out writing YA, which is young adult fiction, uh, my very first manuscript, and I've slowly gone down age groups to middle grade, junior fiction, and now picture books. I have writing ideas across the board for all of these genres, and I think it's because I read so widely to my kids. When I was writing my young adult, my first YA manuscript, my kids were just born. Then subsequently, I was reading picture books to them for, you know, for, for years even to now, two a night, so it's no wonder I have had something to write about in this area. So I'm definitely a hybrid author by the way I publish, but I'm also a hybrid author with the genres I write. I'm also a person who gets bored quite easily, so having a variety of options for me is definitely what works. In Caravan Plans. Turns out the Bungle Bungles was open. It was the caravan park that was in there that wasn't. So we free camped in a car park. That's what it looked like. It comes with sort of toilets and things like that. But it's classified as a free camp. You're allowed to camp there for 24 hours or 48 hours. Uh, No power or anything like that. But it was pretty much up the road from the National Park, which holds the Bungle Bungles. And so we travelled in there for the two days. And uh, the road was about an hour and a half in to the visitor centre and the road was uh, I guess uncorrugated is what you call it so it was like bumpy rattly for like the hour and a half to get to the visitor centre great visitor centre there amazing um, scenery of you know the rocks bungle bungles is uh, you'd have to look at my socials I'll I'll hopefully put a picture up it's it's just the Australian landscape it's just amazing how it changes 
it's it's just incredible it's these big kind of rocks um formations that some are like cones they're just huge and obviously you can see where the water level has risen and fallen they're almost like canyons actually um so we we did quite a few treks and hikes through there seen a lot of dead cane toads which was quite creepy and um spiders but it was very it was amazing it's pretty hot where we are at the moment as i said i'm recording these intros and outros in the car because it's actually quite a good sound box but i'm absolutely sweating in the 30s but the temperature drops quite quickly overnight and in the mornings I mean I slept with trackies on last night so uh so yeah two days at the Bunga Bungles and then we went to arrived at Kananara and uh Yes, that is crocodile country, which I am in crocodile country. So I've seen these big signs that is like, beware, croc beware, with these e- this evil looking crocodile on there. So obviously we're quite terrified. <laughs> but there we, we've only, when we arrived at Kananara, we went to the RAC Lake Kananara for a night. And it was really just to refuel stock up before coming to our next stop. But I really feel like we missed out there because it's such a stunning place. Uh, there's freshwater crocodile in lake the lake that we were next to and i just sort of asked the lady when we got there you know who's the crocodiles here and she was like yeah just trying to show me where we're going i was like oh you know did they come into the camp and she's like no and just sort of she was it seems like she was getting a bit annoyed it didn't she just didn't seem to think that was an issue and uh but she did say look if you want to see one and she circled a, a part of the lake she said there's one that comes up george and you know so we did have a look and it was just sort of bobbing around the water so out of the two the freshwater ones aren't really known to bother to bite humans or eat them or something but it's the salties that you want to look out for luckily they were on the other side of the the lake or something but i yeah we treat them all the same they can kill so uh we did get a look at george it was it's quite fascinating actually and it adds all to the adventure so anywhere we are now i'm like ooh, you know looking for a crocodile i almost want to see one but <laughs> it's uh yeah so the the fear factor has gone down a little which is probably not a good thing but uh yeah so kananara if you're it's it's just beautiful beauty it really is great and all the locals are, are are friendly big aboriginal communities up there are oh all smiling all nice and uh yeah just uh we've met some really cool people we're currently in el Questro, so if you reside in australia this is a bucket list place for sure it is like a ranch in the middle of nowhere and uh, you've got to sort of travel through some of the uh i'm not going to say waterways but sort of water that we've had to travel through to get to the other side i've been a bit like holding onto my car door because worried about water coming in yeah this this, but this place is incredible there's helicopters there's uh air air flights which uh are very pricey they're like 550 dollars per person uh which we will not be going on but they have stables i've already done uh an hour trek through the hills and through water as well which was a bit crazy with my eldest daughter and that was quite stunning learning all about the boab trees and uh the different plants and it's it's interesting for me because I didn't grow up here so I, I really feel like I want to know more about the Australian landscape and you know there's a bush a ro- rosalia I don't know if I'm saying that right and it's a bush you can just sort of eat from it and you can make jam and uh, yeah just a, a really great place we, we did a gorge walk the other day we did Emma Gorge again there's a resort next to it so it's sort of like you're out in the country 
but it's fancy. So that suits us that there's a bar and there's, you know, things like that. And we've met another really lovely family that we've sort of, our kids have bonded and we went off to do a gorge together. And when we got to the top, there's these falls. Now the water, I swam in it, the water was like ice, but this just this waterfall coming off these cliffs and it was it's just incredible, absolutely incredible. So if you are looking to go away, have a unique trip, El Questro so far uh, is just been just been amazing uh, our next stop i think is going to even top that but yeah we'll we'll see how that goes so so this week i haven't uh done too much as i said i've, I've been uh, had the inspiration for the picture book so i've been writing that but we've treated this week as even homeschool this is physical education because you need to get up early and go out and do these things rather than do the homeschool go out at peak sun midday and then the kids are very tired in the afternoon so they're late learning the land and and whatnot same with writing just done what I can do right now we're, we're living in the experience in the moment and that's that's good enough for me So if you love the podcast or any of the episodes has helped you further in your author career, you can now pay it forward by buying me a coffee over at buymeacoffee.com slash the hybrid author. Your support means the world. Let's all support each other. Lee Christine is the best-selling Australian author of nine books in the romantic suspense and alpine crime genres. She proves at 60 it's never too late to turn lifelong dreams into reality. Welcome to the Hybrid Author Podcast, Lee. Oh, hi. Thank you. How are you going? (laughs) I'm well, thank you. Thanks for asking and thanks for coming on. We're absolutely thrilled to have you. So we'll just dive right in. Can you tell us, you know, how did you come to be an author and write in the romantic suspense and alpine crime genres? Well, I always dabbled, Joanne. I always played around with writing. So the instinct was always there. As a teenager, I wrote songs for bands that I was in. I attempted articles in my 20s and 30s. I wrote a YA novel in my 40s. Um, I got the YA out of my system fairly early and decided I didn't want to write another one in that genre. So I had to have a serious think about what type of story I could write and could I do it well enough to get published. I thought about the stories I like to read and then began writing those and entering contests and getting feedback from editors who were marking those competitions. So I had my first romantic suspense novel published in 2012. I wrote six romantic suspense novels and one of those was self-published as part of a series with a group of other authors and the last three are set in the New South Wales snowy mountains because simply because I love that location. Is that where you join us today from the snowy alpine mountains of New South Wales? <laughs> no, I'm in Newcastle today. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, it sounds like, you know, you've had quite a lead up to, uh, you know, your authorship career and uh, you are starting a bit later than some authors I know. But, you know, 53, you decided to bite the bullet and become what well, become serious about being full time. So obviously all these other uh bits of writing and stuff that you have performed have kind of led you up to this so can you take us back to to then when you did you thought you know 
I, I really want to do this as a career or full time. What did that look like at that age? And did you have any doubts or author fears that you thought, oh, you know, well, can can I do this? What am I doing? I think I was 53 when I actually got published. So I think I was about 48 when I had that sort of you know, epiphany that I wanted to do something, have a life-changing career. It was a time when my life, things were changing in my life. So my children were grown. I have a boy and a girl and they're 36 and 33 now. Um, but they were grown. They were into getting, you know, more and more independent all the time, had jobs, you know, had their license and that were on their way. And it was sort of coincided at the same time that my job as a corporate trainer was winding down. So I was a trainer in computer software. So I taught everything from the days of DOS through to WordPerfect, the Microsoft Suite, Amy Pro, Lotus123, probably programs you're probably too young to even remember. But I rode a wave of computer training throughout the 90s, teaching in a couple of corporate places here in Newcastle, also at TAFE. And I did have my own little computer training and business for a while as well. But what happened was people were very anxious about learning computing at that time. And so there was a great need for it. But also small children uh, were being introduced to computers at school and then parents had to you know teach uh, they were coming into the homes as well as they had to cope with their trying to carry out their work on computers so there was a lot of anxiety out there about that but then that decreased and as that next generation came along they just grew up with computers just a part of their life as I said that was sort of winding down and at the same time my children were leaving home so I was like, okay, I've been doing this for a long time and I'd like to give this writing a serious crack. And now the kids were growing up that I thought that was my opportunity. I had time. As far as fears and doubts, we all have them, but I didn't let them hold me back. I doubted I'd get published. Then when I was published, I started worrying about whether my books would sell. So I'm sure there's a lot of authors out there that can relate to that. If you're going to be a writer or any creative for that matter, you, you are putting your work out to be criticised and you have to expect that and you can't please everybody. We all have our favourites and a criticism of your book or your art or your music isn't a criticism of you as a person. I mean, we all know movie stars who have made great actors who have made terrible movies. So I just thought to myself, well, if you're going to do it, you're going to have to put your work out there and try to take the criticism, any criticism and feedback on board and, and learn from it. So that's how that all came about. Yeah, that's amazing. I love advice to our listeners there as well to embrace everything this industry has to offer because it can be really hard and scary and, and all the rest. But I, I love uh, that the conversations that we have as writers and it seems like everybody has these doubts and they're feeling them but exactly what you said there you can't let that hold you back else you're never gonna you know realize your lifelong dreams and turn them into reality so yeah that's yeah. right and I mean some people's dream isn't it to like jump out of the plane at 90 or to travel endlessly or whatever it doesn't yeah. really matter what your dream is but I think you know and and 
sometimes women, when their children are older and it's their time because we devote our time to everyone else, you know, well, well in my generation, <laughs> we devoted a lot of our time to other people and put ourselves last. I think, the, you know, younger generations are probably do, doing things, hopefully doing things a bit differently, but feel that practicality of, you know, life, whatever your life is, of just, and life admin, it gets in the way. And then you've got to try to make that time to write and just go for it. Absolutely. And definitely it is something, I guess, women of our generation today are doing. I'm much the same before coming away on this caravan trip, but, uh, you know, working kids, husband and trying to fit in everything else. It's, uh, I'd, I'd say yes. women of today are probably just doing too much and, <laughs> and trying to get burned and out. Quite, so. often, quite often elderly parents too, because that tends to hit at the same time, the, the elderly parents and parents getting older while you still have teenage children and, and all of that. So it is hard with all these things to find time to write because you do need a certain amount of time to just sit there and, and those things do start the creative process too I think yeah yeah it's amazing uh, I've talked to a lot of different people and how where they fit the time in to write and in between everything and uh yeah it's crazy and I hear kids are leaving home later these days <laughs> than you know I left at 17 but and I was kind of thinking the same but I don't think kids leave now till like late 20s <laughs> I don't think they can afford to. No, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Well, as we've touched upon, today's topic is it's never too late to turn your lifelong dreams into reality. So you mentioned before, you know, you sort of wrote some songs in a band and there was other aspects that made up your life. You know, can you tell us about the various aspects this statement applies to your life and how these experiences shaped your writing? So, yeah, past professions or past, like you said, the songwriting stuff, how's that all? helped with this authorship yeah, look, it, has, it has yeah it has all helped you know my first three books that I wrote um, for my former publisher was um, a legal trilogy and that came about because I worked in a legal office for probably about seven years both in Sydney and Newcastle I married a lawyer so and I've been married to him for 40 years so I've been surrounded by the law and he had his own practice for about 35 years so you know I would go in if we were short staffed had people leave you know through illness and things like that I went in when we lost our office manager because uh, she'd had a cancer diagnosis unfortunately and left in a, in a hurry and um, and so I had to sort of step in and do like some practice management things as well. So my first three books that I, I wrote back in uh, 2012 and 13, 14, um, they were set in a fictional legal office in Sydney. So, you know, you do draw on those experiences. I did travel probably about, you know, about 14 years ago now through Italy and up the Amalfi Coast. And so my fourth book, A Dangerous Arrangement, is set on the Amalfi Coast. Now, I would never have been able to write that book had I not had that experience. I mean, you can do a certain amount through Google and you can get onto YouTube and see people that have traveled through, you know, up, up the Amalfi Coast and that. And it's not impossible but I do think just, you know, you, you can't beat that, you know, the research of actually doing it yourself, if possible. Um, yeah, there's some um, things things you notice, isn't there? Like I went to yeah. the Pinnacles in Australia and uh, I've been there before, but when we, we visited, I mean, I would have had flies buzzing around the trees, but it's not, it's dragonflies. And that's quite a difference, you know, yeah. and there's things that you would pick up, sights and smells and stuff that's not 
you know written on the internet Absolutely. so no, I, I agree there <laughs> yeah and then, and then my last trilogy the snow snowy mountains one which is charlotte pass crack and back and dead horse gap for another publisher my current publisher you know i've been a, a skier for a long time you know going down to the ski fields in in winter and uh and having a ski uh, for decades, and my daughter became a ski instructor. She loved it so much that she went and got her level one. And um, and while she was at uni, I think she did, you know, seven seasons here in Australia and then in Canada and the US. And then she'd come back and start uni again. She did it in the holidays. So I've always been around that. And But not only just going to the snowy mountains in winter, like I also love it down there in summer. Hiking, you know, there's blue festivals to go to um, it's just, it's all the snow gums and things it's like it's so unique it is such a unique environment and um, and I felt that it was underutilized um, in Australian fiction that area you know we tended to lots of stories written about you know dry small dusty drought you know towns in drought out back stories and I just thought well hang on we've got these beautiful snowy mountains down there and you know there's not that many stories that been, have been written down there so again you know I think all of those life experiences you don't write exactly you know in your characterization okay I'm going to write that, that person someone I know no you just draw aspects of their maybe a quirky personality or something interesting that they've done or something and it's a mashup of you know one of your characters might be a mashup of about seven different people that you know and that but you do draw on all those life experiences and I think the older you get the more experiences life experiences you've had yeah and I think I think leaving it later just gives you gives you more of that to draw on well it did for me because I don't think I had if I had a truck started writing in my 20s I don't think I would have had enough lived enough life to have written much at all it, it would probably look quite different yes <laughs> yeah no that's amazing so did you read like because you write a lot from experience and things like that and and it all sounds amazing but do, do you read in the genres as well that you write were you quite a big crime and romantic suspense reader to begin with yeah I was and right from an early age you know like many girls of my generation I read now Nancy Drew stories, I read The Famous Five, I read Trixie Belden stories and all of those sorts of, you know, books that we had in, in that generation. I absolutely loved it. And then when I went to high school, I remember in year seven at high school, I found a whole row of Mills and Boone books down the bottom, right on the bottom shelf. So looking back, I think, why were they in the high school library? Like, I, I don't really know. I, I don't know whether they'd be in school libraries these days, but they were back then. And I picked up one and it was by Lucy Walker and she had written a whole series about English girls coming out to the Australian outback. And, you know, and, and here they were with their peaches and cream, beautiful English complexion in the in the um, outback, you know, the heat and the dust and all of that. Well, I just got hooked. I just read the whole lot of them. <laughs> and uh, so I think that was my introduction into, you know, into the romance genre. And then later on in high school, you know, I started reading Agatha Christie and all that as I 
sort of, you know, got older. But yes, look, I, I, there, there's been a lot of books that I, um, you know, sort of widely read. But now, because I write in that genre, I read Tana French, the Irish author that the BBC series on um, the Dublin Murders was based on her stories um, Into the Woods and uh, and the likeness. I just think she's fabulous. Um, but I do read Michael Connolly. I read Lee Child. I read David Baldacci. Um, but I also read, you know, women's fiction, some women's yeah. fiction books as well. So, you know, it's whatever I think I feel like reading, you know, at that time. But I have always, always read. And I think that's what just gave me the, you know, the love of writing, thinking, well, you know, I've got stories in my head. So I think I can write one. I'll have a go anyway. <laughs> Yeah, good on you, and thank goodness you did. Uh, well, like you were saying, if you had started back then, your writing might look quite different. But you did say, you know, the first ten you felt the first ten years of your writing was like an apprenticeship. How mm. how has your writing changed? You know, in the past decade, from kind of when you started to to now, is yeah. it? Well, I think the biggest change is just the word count for a start. When I when I started the first six, yeah, first six romantic suspense novels, they were the word count I think was somewhere between sixty-five thousand and seventy-two thousand. A dangerous arrangement was seventy-two thousand. The trilogies were around about sixty-five, sixty-eight thousand. And I felt at that time that that was sort of the longest story that I could write. Yeah, I don't I don't know whether they, you know, they're, they're not quite as layered as my than my stories now, and and so yeah, I just I I didn't feel at that stage that I could write an eighty to ninety thousand word or a hundred thousand word novel. So, but as I've gone on, the the stories have become longer. So the three set in the snow, I think the first one was about ninety four thousand, and the next two were around the eighty thousand mark. So that's one that's one way they've changed is that um, and I think that's just because I think it's been a natural evolution for me when I was writing romantic suspense there was a lot more romance in the story but I always had a mystery or a crime I never have written a straight romance novel um, because I don't think I could I've always wanted them solving something solving a puzzle solving a crime you know lots of suspense and because that's what I like reading so you know that's what I've written. But I think it's been a natural evolution for me that as I've gone on, the plots have become more intricate. And so as the plots have become more intricate, the romance has taken a back seat. But I still like to have romantic elements in there because I think that if the characters care about each other, then the stakes are a lot higher. And so I think that goes well with I think the romantic elements goes well with the crime and suspense because you've got you you keep the, the tension going with the the crime and suspense, but then you've also got the romantic tension as well in those sort of quieter moments. So it um I think the, it helps the pacing of the book, and I like the way that they go together. But my novels, the last three. And the one that I'm currently writing, you, you could describe it as a mashup of genres, really, because they're all police procedurals. Um, my main characters in Charlotte Park, the Snowy Mountains series, and this current one, the main protagonist is a detective, and they're the common characters over the series. So it's a police procedural. 
It's a mystery, a crime, and it's romance. So it's a it's a bit of a mashup, a hybrid. Yeah, that's it. It is a hybrid, which I love. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it's got a bit for everybody. And I do agree what you're saying. You know, with the with the crimes and stuff, there there's that. But the the hook that they care for each other deeper, and something may happen to that person. I, I think that yeah. that's great. That really adds yeah. a sparkle or something extra for sure. No, that's very fast. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's great well tell us as well uh like you said you self-published a book uh with with did you say with a group of people oh, oh we saw i self-published one novel and it's called shadows of the heart it's available on amazon i didn't and um it's still ticking over and people still seem to enjoy it and i think the reason it's ticking over is because we did it as part of our writing group there were 13 of it, and I think half were published and half hadn't been published. Design a fiction, writing a story, and we'll all write a story set in this town. And so it was called the Bindara Creek series because the town was called Bindara Creek. So there were 13 novels all set in this one town, and we still published them all. Amazing. So And people yeah. loved that series. And then we wrote, uh, I think we did a Bindara Creek short and sweet so we did like a, an anthology of sort of short stories set back in that town so that the readers could catch up with what was happening to their characters. And um, and they've gone on to do another two two series I, that I haven't been involved in because I've been writing my, my other books. But I think they've got a, a mystery, Bindara Creek, um, like a crime thing. Uh, there's not, the whole 13 original uh, members aren't in it now. I think it might be down to about seven or eight. But um, it's, a, it's a well-loved series, this Bindara Creek series but that was an experience too for me self-publishing a novel and um, yeah. I think I, because my yeah. Snowy series is three books and uh, another one is a trilogy so you know they'll fulfill my contract there but they've been really popular and there's people would still like to have more of them so I'm thinking that's probably um, I'll probably write some and self-publish a couple more in that Snowy Mountain series down the track a bit after I've done this one. Yeah, that's great. And also, you know, uh, how did you do it together then? Was it like a co-writing experience or you wrote one book each in that series? Or We, we wrote one book each. So there was okay. a, there's 13 novels. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh, I know it's a lot. And and we had a database set up and we had an Excel spreadsheet and we had to find out where the characters were. One instance where I wanted to use one of the other author's characters and I had her as a real cougar. She came in and, like an older woman and she sort of had the you know the leopard print and she had the makeup and teased blonde hair and this other author said no no she's nothing like that she's a sweet old lady. Oh no. <laughs> so, all of that but we had to check to make sure it was, everything was correct and we didn't have one character sort of in the pub at one time and, and, and you know, that they were also somewhat, someone in someone else's book, you know, somewhere else. So it, it took a lot of, you know, it was a lot of time doing it, but it was also fun. Yeah. And did you each self-publish the book or was there one person who had that skill or? Uh, no, we each self-published our own. So we had to sort of learn about that as well. And with the um, anthology, we they were just short stories and things. But yeah, no, we each had to do our own book. Uh, fantastic. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah. So you are a hybrid author, which is amazing. What advice would you give to other uh, either aspiring writers or, or just people in general that might have a story like yours that maybe been a big reader over the past or thought they've got a story in them they haven't put themselves out there they might be a bit scared they might be later on in life as well and thinking oh it's too late for me what would your advice be to them 
time? Yeah, look, I would say it's it's never too late. And um, I would look out for, uh, I would Google search, I should say, for an online writing course. There's a multitude of them. Um, there's also, if you're in Australia, there's the Australian Writers' Centre. They do in-person courses and online. I would say join an organisation. There's lots of writing organisations for me because I was writing romantic suspense. I joined the Romance Writers of Australia. They have a vibrant online presence. They also run courses, which I did a few of those. Um, they also have a conference and they always they had um, Julia Quinn out. At, no, I think that was the Romance Readers, but they had Julia Quinn out, who was the author for Bridgerton. And she's oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. They had her out here in Australia, so they get fantastic guest speakers out here. And I would say enter competitions. That's what I did. I entered competitions as an unpublished author and won a couple of um, competitions overseas. And I got a second in Australia because a lot of those competitions are the, it's the editors that actually give you feedback on them. So that's, you know, and if you can get feedback from an editor and take it on board, well, that's a really good thing. So I joined that and I, I joined a book club, joined a, find a writing group, find a critique partner, enter competitions, try to get feedback from an editor and just take it on board. Everyone has their favourite whatever and people have their favourite authors and their favourite books that they like to read. You're never going to please everybody. So that would be my advice. <laughs> ah, no, that's amazing advice there. Yeah, what, what can we expect from you in the future? Are you still going to be publishing in this uh, genres or have you, have you yeah, had an idea look, for I'm something really completely was, different? <laughs> I'm actually writing um, no, just a standalone at the moment. It's set in my hometown of Newcastle. So, again, it's a police procedural, but this time it's not the Sydney Homicide Squad, as it is in my series. It's the, the local detective here at Newcastle, um, and it's the crime set in our beautiful Glenrock State Conservation Area, which is a, a bushy area on the coast. So um, I'm working on that at the moment. And, uh, yeah, I think after that I'll just have to see. Just have yeah. to see where it takes. I might write another Snowy Mountains one and self-publish it. Amazing, yeah. Because World is your oyster. <laughs> I know there's readers out there who want more of those books. So that's, that's, it, a, good way, that's a good way of getting them to them. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Well, where can our listeners find all these fabulous books and, and learn about yourself uh, in stores and online? Yeah, um, I have a website. So www.leechristine.com.au. I'm on Facebook. Lee Christine on Instagram as well so you can you can find me at any of those sites oh that's amazing thank you so much for your time and expertise Lee it's been fantastic oh thank you so much Joanne it's been a real pleasure talking to you so there you have it folks the truly inspirational and lovely Lee Christine and if you haven't already checked out Lee's books go ahead because they're full of suspense romance and action and crime and alpine and she's just as you've heard got a bit for everyone next time on the hybrid author podcast it's June so it's our mid-year mashup of the rest of the guests that we have had on the podcast since the start of this year I wish you well in your author adventure this next week. That's it from me. It's bye for now. That's the end for now, authors. I hope you are further forward in your author adventure after listening. And I hope you'll listen next time.
remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.